industry for, for people with mental health needs, it, which, which used to be a, a small amount, uh, which was considered a considerable amount of money for mental health needs in terms of, of uh, for medication, now it's turned into a $226 billion industry. What's going on? What's going on is, is when we remove God from the center of our lives. That's what's going on. Because people are, have removed God out of the equation of their lives, what they, what they have done and what they have chosen is a path of uncertainty. And how many of you know that you and I, we need to be certain about the direction of our life? We, we don't want to go through life not being, not being certain. About just kind of bumping around, you know, we're confused, we don't know, you know, wherever we happen to be, that's, I guess that's where God called me to be, we're, we're, whatever, you know, it's like whatever, whatever will be, will be. Did you get the house? Well, we didn't get the house, but it must have not have been, you know, whatever is in God's plan, well, here, hold on. Right. You, in some cases, that's the case, but in really reality, no. that's not the case. Right. Because as believers, a lot of believers aren't taking the soundness of mind. They're not taking the peace heart. They're not taking all that's been made available to them. Mm -hmm. And as a believer, you, you want to be able to lay hold of those things that are important to you. Yep. Yeah. Because those are going to be the things that are going to direct your path in the future. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yep. If I refuse to change the way I think now, it, it, it will impact the way I see the future later. Mm -hmm. You know, you can make a decision. Well, I'm going to just be, just start drinking because I'm depressed, and you know, I'm just trying to I'm trying to um, medicate this situation. Well, you didn't think about it when you were doing it, but later on, then you have an alcohol problem that you're dealing with, and then you have other issues that start to pile on because you've been medicating, mm -hmm. right? And then you start having psychosis problems because you not only you drink, but you've caused other physical harms to yourself, and you maybe you've developed related. I mean, you can think about all the the the, the things that go in attachment just, with just the, the natural realm with alcohol, right? And also the mental health things about just not addressing things in the spiritual realm. Because the spiritual realm will affect the natural realm. It, 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 it affects it in such a way yeah. And many of you, when you came in, I remember many of you were going through a lot of heaviness of heart, and, and, and you felt like you weren't going to make it, and, 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 and you thought for sure that you, weren't, you knew you weren't going to make it. Yeah. But God threw you a lifeline, and thank God He put people in your life to throw you a lifeline, because it was those lifelines, yeah. it was those lifelines that were able to direct your life. That's right, that's right, amen. Because I remember when I got saved, I remember it felt like I was drowning. And I don't know about you, maybe, you all, maybe some of you were really good at staying afloat. I wasn't floating. I was more like, hey, one nose is barely sticking out of the water. Yeah. And, I, and I told Pastor Man, I don't, even know, I don't even know how people make it without the Lord. I know they're not making it. Let me just rephrase it. Because in, in my household, as good as the parents as I had, we were barely making it. And I'm not, not talking about financially. My parents were doing very well financially. I'm talking about in a, in, in a world where there was a deep relationship. Not only an, an understanding relationship. Yeah. And you can't have what you're not willing to commit to. You hear what I'm saying? You may want the you might want the you might want that rock hard abs, but if you're not willing to commit to the gym, you ain't getting much of anything, right? You know, you may, you may not we may want to be the greatest cook, but if you're not willing to put the hours it is into cooking, you will never be a great cook. You you might be a good mediocre cook, 
But even the most skillful people, the real good people, the most skillful people, yeah. the, the ones that are at the top of the game, I like, uh, I'll just use a, a natural person, you know, because, you know, sometimes people just re relate to natural people, and then I'm also going to use the supernatural people. Because, you know, you look at the natural, Cody Bryant, all the talent in the world, worked real hard. They said he worked harder than everybody else. He made sure that he worked harder than everybody else. And, yet, and, and the proof was in the pudding over the years of seeing his dominance on the court. Right. right? Same thing with Michael Jordan. And, and, and think about also in the other natural realm, in the supernatural realm. Guys like, uh, like Kenneth E. Hagin, people like, like Catherine Coleman, Amy Simple McPherson that poured their hearts and what they received was a, an outpouring of the hard work and the dedication of that. Right. See, whatever you put into something, that's what you're going to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And we, 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 we and, and unfortunately, in, our, in, our, in, our, in a little bit of our Western culture, you know, I don't want the hard way. I don't want to do the hard work. And what can I do? What can I do to get the outcome of that without the hard work? And, and unfortunately, I wish I could say, you know, you could get something, but you won't get very far with that kind of mentality. Right. You'll struggle. Yeah. And you know, we lie to people. You tell me, you're, you know, you go to college, you work real hard, you get yourself a degree, and then you can get yourself a good job. And here's the thing: that's a lie. You can you can do you can be very successful without a college degree. Now, I have a college degree. Pastor Molina has a college degree. We've benefited from it, but then at the same time, there's a there's there's some areas of faith that you can benefit when you get you get schooled in the areas of faith That's right. where you're learning to trust God, That's right. where He's going to help and meet your need, That's and where you work hard. Yeah, come on. I mean, I, I'll just even quote Elon Musk. He says people don't really need a college degree; they just need to work hard. Mm -hmm. He says if you put 80 hours a week in whatever it is that you're endeavoring, you will be successful. Yeah, but people don't want to hear that. Yeah. What do you mean put 80 hours? I'm going to put 80 hours a week. Yeah. Oh, I need a job where I can work 40 hours. I can stick it to the man. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Again, always trying to get out of stuff. You know what I mean? It's that mentality. I'm always trying to get out of something without doing something. Yeah. And here's the thing. Your heart's never going to get free without doing something. Yeah. Come on. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and we, we want to change, but we're not willing to make the commitment. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing. Commitment is the big C word. Come on. It's a big word. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you say, I love you. Uh -huh. Either that's going to make that relationship or break that relationship. You don't know, ladies, right? <laughs> right. He says, I love you. Like, this is a little too early for that. <laughs> or it's like what you wanted to hear. Uh -huh. Right? I've been waiting for so long to tell me he loved me. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. Or vice versa. Hey, the boat flows both ways, right? Yeah, yeah. Come, on. Come on. We're moving up and moving on. Right. Let's open our Bibles to First Timothy, Second uh, Timothy. First, Second Tim uh, Timothy, chapter one, verse three. In Second Timothy, chapter. Second Timothy one verse two. I said two, but let me get my glasses. Hallelujah. Verse three. Paul writes to Timothy. He writes to Timothy because he's fathering Timothy in the faith. Verse chapter one, verse three, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Now I want you to know this this is Paul writing to Timothy. Yeah. He's he's making connections. He says, One he's thanking God, and whom he served with a pure conscience. 
See, whatever you do, you must serve God. If you want to be successful, you're going to have to have a pure conscience before the Lord. What does that mean to have a pure conscience? It means that if 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 your motives are wrong and, see, and, and your motives have been pointed out that they're wrong, guess what you do? You, you make the change because you want your conscience to be pure. You, you want to do things right. You're not, you're not trying to get out of doing things. You, what you're trying to do is trying to get into what God told you and, and following the divine instructions. Right? See, when you serve God from a pure conscience, which is a pure heart, there's no motives other than I just want to love God, want to please Him, want to follow His directions, things begin to change. Yeah. See, if you're doing things out of a, out of a, out of a, of just trying to get what you want, I'm going to do this. If you if you do that, like it's a conditional thing. God, I love you. If you love me, I'll, I'll, if you bless me, I'll bless you. If you're always having that motivation, things won't go very well for you. That's right. Pastor Marina alluded to a little bit to this way. It also it can also translate into your to your forgiveness and walking in love. Remember what she said that people who 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 have conditional forgiveness don't live very long. Well, I tell you, that, that's very stark and very startling. That means we've got to make sure that our conscience is clear and pure. Because those things in the grand, grand scheme of things will, over, will affect you and I. Amen? Yeah, right. uh, yeah pure, pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remembered you in my prayers night and day. Says I, I thought about you. In other words, I belong you operated from a pure heart, but I prayed for you night and day. Right? For godly desire to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. In other words, she says, I know your walk has not been easy. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When you follow the Lord, no one said it's going to be easy. Especially when you're taking on a different way of living. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Come on. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's a curve. It's a, there's a learning curve. Anytime you take, a, take on a new job, there is an understanding that you are under a learning curve. That, and then that's why people say, oh, that was a rookie mistake. How many of you have ever heard that? That's a rookie mistake. Or when you're on a job and you make a mistake, oh, that's a rookie mistake. What, what are they saying? They're saying that's common to someone who's unfamiliar with, with the work or the, what's, in, what's, what's expected. Right. And when, when, you're, when you don't know, it's okay. Yeah. Why? Because you're in training. Yeah. Now, three or four years down the line and you're still making rookie mistakes? Yeah. Right. Come on. Then, then people are questioning your ability. Yeah. Right? Right. So God says, I don't want you to live in a rookie state of mind. Uh-huh. I want you to grow. I want you to develop. I want you to get on top of some things. In other words, as a believer, you shouldn't always be living with your emotions. Like, I'm being led by emotions. Yeah. I'm being led by my feelings. Yeah. I'm being, you know, you know, the wind blows a certain way. He said something. My mom looked at me a funky way. All of a sudden, you're going to break down and cry. Well, you shouldn't be living by your emotions every day. I'm not saying emotions are bad, but what I'm saying is, is that you should not be emotion, emotionally driven and emotionally led. Well, you know, when he looked at me, he just looked at me with the most gentlest eyes. Yeah, but he may have gentle eyes today, but what about tomorrow? Yeah. You know, just, you know, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen. Come on. Well, I just heard the way, the way they talked, the way that song, and then the atmosphere of the room, and dude, you, you, you I said, dude. <laughs> The old Southern California mark is still comes out from the 80s now and then. Bro, dude. Sorry. I, I digress a little bit because this is one of the hot topics. It kind of really, when I got saved, I, I God had to really work with my emotions. Amen? Yeah. You know, and, and, as, and as a believer, you know, we can't be emotionally led. Yeah. 
you, when, when everybody said, hey, let's go do this because they're angry, that's the, that's, the, that's the first thing you don't do because everybody's angry. Yeah. Especially when everybody's in an agreement. Uh-huh. That's when you slow down and say, why, why, why are we going to hang this guy? Why are we going to do this? <laughs> right. Right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's just being sensible. Yeah. Because people, when they're emotionally led, are more likely to be, be the, the bandwagon yeah. to group think. Right. Come on. And they stop thinking for themselves. Right. Because the natural tendency is, oh, he did all the work for me. You want to go by, he did all the work for me. Yeah. I mean, really, if you're going to trust your livelihood on someone says, oh, he said he's going to do it, and he's got a reputation of not doing stuff, and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to trust him because he said he was going to do it, you, you, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Especially when you know he's got a habit of not doing stuff. Right. You don't trust people. I'm just using this as an example, okay? I'm not saying... You know, as a person, you've got to learn to trust the Word and trust God and not trust circumstances. Right. Amen. You, you've got to learn to trust the Word. The, tr- the Word is not going to go sideways on you. Amen. Right. Amen. The Word never goes sideways on you. People can go sideways on you, but God, but when we're, but we're not to be emotionally led. Amen. And being just led by, by how we feel about people, how we feel about circumstances. Amen. I greatly desire, in verse 4 says, I greatly desire to be uh, being mindful of your tears, right? But verse 5 says, but when I, when I call to remembrance the genuine of your faith that, that is in you, that dwelt in first your mother, grandmother, Lois, and your, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that, is, that it is also in you. I'm going to say something here. When there's genuineness in you, it will show up in your kids. Yes. Amen. And how did he know that? Because he knew his mother and his grandmother. He saw the purity of their hearts. He knew how that family operated. He knew that that family always gave people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Or maybe they just didn't know. Right? You know, just he saw a purity of heart. And he saw it in, in him. Right. You know when you see people that are young that are just have a pure heart? Or maybe because they, they haven't been... Uh, exposed to the world, people will say, "Oh, you know, they're just uh, gullible. Oh, they're just gullible. Oh, they're just—they just believe anything." Now, there's a purity of heart because they haven't learned. They have—they come from a family that hasn't—that's honest. It hasn't learned to distrust or be dishonest. Yeah. So when you come from an honest family, yeah, that may make you a little gullible. But and sure, but here's the thing: I'd rather come from a home full of a pure heart and trusting people, and believing the best of people, than always being suspicious that everybody's out to do evil. That's right. That's right. God looks at a pure heart, mm-hmm. and He honors the, the heart of a pure person. Uh-huh. And we ought to be we ought we ought to be operating from that place, mm-hmm. where we're, we have a pure heart, pure motives. Mm-hmm. Where we want to help others. That's right. We, we want to see God do his best in their lives. Right. Amen? Because in the bigger grand scheme, it produces something. Yeah. What does it produce? Well, we'll I'm glad you asked because we're going to get into that. Amen? Amen? Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Okay? Mm-hmm. But this is where it gets really good. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yeah. Did you catch that? God doesn't give fear to teach you something. He doesn't create chaos to teach you anything. But he's giving you a what? What what did God give you? Power. Power. 
love and a sound mind. That's right. Power what? Power, dunamis power for what? To, to not be, be held back yeah. by, the, by the evil works of the enemy that would try to scatter your mind. Yeah. That would try to deflate you and try to discourage you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, he's, and, and then he says, hold this back up. Do you know back in the day when we were growing up, it, there used to be uh, this book says The Gift of Fear. And, and, and I know it's going to sound bizarre to you, but there's a book written called The, Fe the Gift of Fear, that gift, fear was a gift. And it was, a, it was probably a 10, 12 chapter book. And I think I read maybe halfway into it. I'm like, psychology book. And I said, this is the lamest book I have ever read. And I, and I began to put it where I file it in the, in the, in the black box in front of the house. Does anybody know what the black box in front of the house is? It's called your trash can. <laughs> See, there are things out there that you're going to have to learn to let go and throw away. And they come from people that are, they're, they're professionals. They are psychologists, not that, not that psychology is a bad thing, I ain't saying all psychologists or, or whatever. They're psychologists, they're just making the work because they, they want to help folks. Yeah. But here's the thing. Outside the Bible, you can't do much. They, they even say to, to a great degree that even if they're going to get free of alcohol and drugs, did you know that, that there, there is a common hell belief in, in people who say that if you're going to even get free of drugs or alcohol, they, they totally believe that you can't do it without a spiritual life? I'm talking about the drug and alcohol folks. Yeah. Says if in order for you to succeed and, and, and get sober, you need God in your life. Yeah. Now they don't say that out loud yeah. because you know we want to lose our funding, but they know it's written in the literature. They tell you if you want to get, you need to have a spiritual life. If you want to keep your mind, you need to have a spiritual life. Because the world is out there. It doesn't care what it does to you. The world, the world will push its drugs off you. It will push Because a, a divided people is easier to, to conquer than one that's united in faith. Can you imagine if everybody was united in faith and they believed the word of the Lord and they stuck to the things of God? We, this nation would not be in the place that it is in today. That's why it's so important that we become a people that learn to glorify God. That's right. Learn to glorify Him and recognize Him as such. Right. Because it, why does it matter so much? Because it will affect our kids if we don't. These, these ones will be affected. And it's so important. It's so important that we value what God has given us. And what did He give you? He's given you kids. He's given you children. He's given you jobs. Come on. That's, that's, why I, that's why I love the scripture so much. You know, what are we doing? What are we pointing to? We're talking about a spirit-filled life here, a spirit-led life, where you, where you say, I'm putting my trust because I, in the Lord, where I'm allowing him to lead, lead me in the direction and the flow of my mind, where I'm not going to be scattered anymore in my thinking. Right. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew. Every day our life is going to get better. Every day your life is going to get better. Say it out loud every day. My life is going to get better. Jesus had a great day one day. He went out and he cleansed a leper. And then he healed a centurion with just his word. Amen. 
And then in Matthew uh, uh, 14, he, Matthew 8, 14, then he went to Peter, his mother-in-law's house. He spoke over her. He, he commanded the fever to leave and it left, right? And people think, well, you know, if God's moving in my life, I should never have any problems. In fact, I shouldn't even experience any oppression or things coming against me. Jesus, for the Holy Ghost, always had opposition. Always. But you know what he had? He had answers every time. That's right. He had authority every time. That's right. That's what he had. Yeah. And you know what Jesus' role was for you and I? His role was to be an example of how you and I were to respond. That's right. When opposition comes. Yeah. When, when religiousness stands in your face, when, when, when death is at your doorstep, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? You speak the word. That's right. What do you do when you feel the pressure? You, you don't back down. You, you get up in the pressure's face. That's right. Yes. That's, That's right. what you do. You don't, you don't right. curdle down and say, well, yes. God, if it's your will. That's right. That's if right. it's your will, you know, let them die. No, no, we don't do any of that. No. no. That's right. No, we stand better. We said, Father, we just command. We speak the word over them. Yeah. Sickness, you, you depart. For them, you foul worker of iniquity, Satan, you get off of them. Right. We don't just sit there, tuck our tails beneath our legs, and, and, and start to feel sorry for ourselves. That's right. No, we stand up. That's right. Amen. I said we stand up. That's right. And Jesus did that all the time. Yes. And this is one of the great examples. Because, you know, you figure with all the stuff that he faces, you know, does Jesus get a, get a break? Yeah, he gets a break after he tells the devil to leave. He gets a break. Yeah. Come on. When you get a break, every time you open your mouth, you put the devil to silence, there's your break. Yeah. Yeah. Quit trying to get out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, you know, because too many people, that's why people take medication. Because yeah. we're just trying to get out of stuff. I'm going to just say this is a bit of a testimony for myself. I'm not, uh, I was dealing with a headache one day. I was trying to get on my body. And I told her, you know what, I'm not going to take anything. She goes, you're not? I go, no, because you start getting in the habit of taking medication or anytime you get in a, in a, a, feel a little bit of pain, you, your body starts to want it. It's like it, start, it, starts, it wants the easy way out. And I'm not always looking for easy ways. I want, to, I want areas where I can practice my faith. Now, I'm not practicing on my kids. Yeah. They're like, you want to believe God that you're going to get delivered from a headache. Yeah. We're not doing that with them. We're doing that with ourselves first. Right. We're, we're trusting God first with our own health. You know what? I'm not going to go run to take an ibuprofen every time I got a bit of a headache. I'm not going to, anytime I feel a little bit of pressure, no, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to get in the grill of this thing. Right. I'm going to get up in it and I'm not going to back off. Because yeah. the devil wants you to back off. Yeah. And that's what his, his goal is, is just to get you to back off and quit. Yeah. Quit going to church. Quit applying for those jobs. Quit applying for those loans. Quit, or, or, quit, quit looking for a house. Why don't you just be satisfied where you're at? Be satisfied with your sickness. Just live with it, you know. Put, put a little patch on. I got, I got a special disease only one in a million's got. Yeah, come on. And, and wear like some badge of honor. God does not want you to live life that way. That's right. Then over here we see here in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. And when the evening came, they brought him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out with the spirit of the word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be filled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, He himself took our infirmities. And come on, he, what did he do? He took our infirmities. He dealt with those demons. Come on. Come on. And then, what did he, he, then he dealt with more death. He dealt with his disciples, and he dealt with the wind and the, the winds in the storm in verse 23, right? And what did he do? He talked to the storms. 
and the storms obeyed. Yeah. What's he doing? He's acting like how we're supposed to be acting. Yeah, come on. You know how many believers, when there's a storm or a tornado, things going on, how many people just start crying, start whimpering? Oh, everybody isn't just crying. Just pray. They're just crying. Oh, Lord, please protect us. Yeah. There's, there's a time when you're not supposed to be praying like that. There's all kinds of different prayers and, and, and crying and, and whimpering. It's not a way of uh, you should be praying. Because yeah. that's not praying. Yeah, right. God don't hear that. Yeah. I know that's going to be a real hard for some folks to choke that one down. Mm-hmm. God don't hear you crying about every little thing. Mm-hmm. There's, after a while, he expects you to know some things. Yeah. Because after they talked to you, after they cried and after they whimpered at that storm, what is the first thing Jesus says to them? Where is your faith? Right. It, it, there was no consult. Cons, cons, uh, he wasn't there consulting them. Oh, you poor babies. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I understand. This is your first rodeo. He said, Where is your faith? Yeah. In other words, I've been pouring into you. There's some things you should know by now. Uh-huh. You've seen me operate with situations that seem pressing. So when he says, where is your faith? That means there is an expectation that, that they should have known some things. Well, brother, that, Pastor Marcus, that's just the disciples. No, that's an example to you and I. Yeah. Because if you and I look at the Great Commission, those are the, some of the things that we ought to be doing. Right. We should be saying unto like Mark 11, Mark 11 says, say unto this mountain, be thou removed, cast in the sea. Amen? Amen? We should be talking to the sick and mind tree. We should curse the, the mustard tree when it needs to be cursed. But, you know, and here's the thing. If you're not talking, you're, you're, you're walking in the wrong direction. Yep. You should be saying something. That's right. Like those disciples, he got upset because they should have told, they should have told that storm to stop. Uh-huh. And a lot of things are happening because people aren't saying, I, I command you to stop. There's no revelation of the authority as a, as a believer that they have. Uh-huh. Say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I have authority. I have authority. That's right. Where did you get that authority? Well, you going to tell you right now. You got it from Jesus. That's right. He, he told you. He said, whosoever shall say. He didn't say whosoever. Just to decide. This is just for the disciples. Uh-huh. This is just for them. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that. No. He, was, he said whosoever. That's right. So how do you qualify for whosoever? If he says whosoever, you qualify. That's right. Come on. You don't have to try to wrap it around your head. Yeah. Now the devil said, well, you know. Here's the thing about the Bible. Here's the thing about, I love about the, the, the Bible. It says the devil comes to steal the word that was immediately sown in your heart. Mm-hmm. How does he do that? By bringing questions into it. Well, I don't know. Are you sure about that? I've never heard of that. Well, just because you don't know and haven't heard something doesn't mean it ain't true. Yeah. There's a lot of things I, I have never seen that, that, I, that I don't even know about, but they're true. That's right. I've never seen the, the, the designs of the work of, a, of, a, uh, of these jets that go super, that, 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 that go Mach 16. I, I, but get, get there there. I don't need to understand it for it to accomplish its job. Mm-hmm. You don't need to understand everything to understand that God has a way of doing stuff that he has put in your hands. Mm-hmm. You don't have to figure it out. All you know is he told you to do it. Yeah. And that you have to get, you, I like, like what they used to say, if you weren't getting a job, you need to get hopping on that thing. You can't be, you can't be just sitting there doing nothing. Because yeah. the work ain't going to happen by itself. Yeah. In other words, work, work ain't going to work itself. Mm-hmm. It's going to require you to speaking on that mountain and, right. and laying hold of it with your words. That's right, amen. Too many people want someone else to do it. 
I'm going to call my social worker. My social worker is going to do it for me. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to call the police. Let them handle it. Now if they're 20 minutes away and, they're right there and death is right at the door, what are you going to do? You, you, you can't be just, oh, Lord, let us live. No, you need to say, Lord, I command that, that demonic person to go now in Jesus' name. Yeah. You have to start speaking. Yeah. And I, I've heard tons of testimonies over the years where people spoke up and said, hey, I bind you, you foul spirit, and started talking to that person, motivated, and before you know that person would just drop uh, and just get confused and leave. Not just once, not just over years. You, see, you hear these testimonies about people taking their authority, and if, unless you take your authority over situations, your situation will never change. That's right. Because you're dealing, nowadays we're dealing with people that are, that are demonically pos, uh, oppressed, possessed, or oppressed. Yeah. Yeah. And even Christians, they're not possessed, but they're oppressed, and, and, and they're being pushed by, by the demon, and they have no clue. But they're being used by the devil. They're, they don't realize that they're being influenced. They don't realize that some of the stuff that they've been taught was wrong over the years. They don't know. They don't know. And they're, and they're, and they're operating from old, old spirits. Unaware. Unaware. Not knowing that the thing that they're being taught is harmful. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I tell you, man, if you just, I mean, you think about what Jesus did. I mean, just, even this winds of the, huh, yeah. even the winds obeyed him. Yeah. 28. And when he came to the other side to the country of uh, Gersini, that he, 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 there he met two men, demon-possessed, coming out of tombs exceedingly fierce, so that no one passed that way. And suddenly they cried out saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of swine feeding. So the demons begged him saying, if, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And then he said to them, Go, and when they, when, they went out, when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and it, they perished in, this, in the water and those who kept them fled and they went into the city and told everyone the, including what had happened to the demon possessed men and behold the whole city came out and met Jesus and they saw him and they begged him to depart from their region Just when God moves in your area, don't expect everybody to be excited with you. Yeah. Demons? A man who cannot be, just been set free? Yeah. Set free. Yeah. You figure the whole community would be happy and excited that a man got set free. But they weren't excited. In fact, they wanted Jesus to get, get out of town. Hey, uh, this is weird. Uh, we, we, we don't want you here. Just you, know, you, you got to get used to the idea that when, when God is moving around your life, there's going to be people that are not going to be celebratory with you. Yeah, yeah. When you get delivered, when you get set free, not everybody's going to be happy. Yeah. In fact, the Bible is very clear. It says that, that, that Satan comes to steal the word of God that was sown in your heart. Yeah. And you you've got to have that. You've got to have that already in your heart. You know what? As soon as I leave here, that word that was sown in my heart, the devil's going to try to come out and pull that out. Yeah. And you, you, you gotta, you've got to be clear on that from the get. Yeah. Because as soon as you walk out the door, 
He's going to say, well, you know, are you sure? I'm as sure as a light on this, on this building or on, I'm sure. That's right. That's right. I'm as sure as, I'm as, sure as, as, as someone, are you sitting here, I'm sure. That's right. You've got to be certain. Yeah, that's right. That God, when, when God, when God uh-huh. moves in your life, that you're certain that yeah. He moved in your life. Come on, you come can't on. be playing with it. Well, I don't come know. I mean, you know, maybe that was just a fluke that you know. But I got that check in the mail, come and on. after I gave, and, yeah. and then all of a sudden I started getting more blessed. Because people can forget about all the things that God does right. when they get saved, or right. when they got born again, when they got delivered. Yeah, come on. He's done. God has done so much in my life. I'd be a fool to say He doesn't exist. That's right. I'll be an F-O-O-L, fool, delivered me not just one time, not just two times, multiple times that I am am aware of. And good Christians, they blow it all the time. They blow it. Mm -hmm. They lose the sanity of their mind. Christians. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's because, you know, you know, I know this one case of this young man who who uh, was said he was a Christian? I okay. He says he's a Christian. Raised and he had a, he had his mom and she was a Christian. And he said uh, she had, he she had passed away. I don't know the full story, but at the end of that of that story, he said he stopped believing in God because once his mother died, he just kind of looked out and he, I don't know what his whole story was. But he says then I just stopped believing in God and I decided to become an atheist because my mom died. You know what that tells me a lot, especially when a man isn't planted in the house of the Lord. See, you have kids, and if, and if your kids aren't in a place where they can have answers for their life, mm-hmm. they'll wander around and, and live life just banging into the wall, yeah. suffering. Yeah. Now, why don't believe in God? Well, of course, I mean, they, they, they weren't brought up really knowing God. That's why I tell these kids, that's why it's important for you to grow up in having faith in God and knowing who God is. That's right. It's not enough that mom and dad give you their faith. That's right. You're responsible for your faith. Yeah. It's your job to get to know Jesus yeah. yeah, I don't care how old you are. You started. The Bible says the uh, age of accountability is what eight or ten or something. I can't remember. Twelve. Thank you. It's like twelve years old. So now, as I was telling kids, you're going to be twelve. You're, you're in God's terms. You're practically a man now. So you better start learning to trust God and start having faith. Because if you don't have faith, you're going to get yourself in trouble and you won't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to be twelve years old and not know what to do. So what am I doing? I'm teaching them now. I'm teaching them now. I'm teaching them how to stand up. I'm teaching them how to talk to the devil. When, when thoughts go into their mind, I'm teaching them how to answer those thoughts. Right. Because they got to learn how to be sound in their thinking. Right. When the devil tells you, oh, you're ugly, you're not going to be very successful, you're not as smart as these kids, you got to tell the devil, no, you're a liar. That's right. I mean, if kids, if you, don't, if you sit there and, don't, and you take it, yeah. your mind, your thinking will be off later on. Yeah. Now I'm not talking about being cocky now. Well, I'm the best looking in my class. I know that for sure. No, we're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about trusting God with the voice that he's he's putting in your heart. Learning to listen to him. Uh Learning to be led by him. Because his voice is going to be the most important thing for you in your life. Particularly when you want to keep a sound mind. Particularly when you're dealing with a demonic world that's just getting more crazier and crazier every day. I'm telling you, the world is getting more, <laughs> more whacked. I don't even have to tell you. You just flip on the news for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, you already know. And I'm telling you right now, as a believer, you are not of that, of, you are not of that mind. You are not of this world. 
You don't belong to this world. Praise God. I'm going to close with this one scripture because I tell you, it blessed me so much. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, I want you to take this this way of thinking for a moment. This is your body. That's not who you are. You're a spirit, but you live in a body. If I take off my coat, do I still occupy my coat? No. If, I, if, if my spirit leaves my body, do I still occupy my body? No. Because I am a spirit, right? right. So this is what Paul's talking about in verse, in, in verse 1 of a chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. He says, For we know in our earthly house this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In other words, you have a spirit that was made from heaven, Right? Verse 2 says, for, if, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. What does it mean to be clothed in heaven? That means our spirit desires to be in the presence with God. It, 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 you, know, you hear people say when they die and go to heaven, they don't want to come back. That's why you never feel bad about people when they go to heaven. Especially if you know they're born again. They don't want to come back. They look at you like, why are they crying? They, if they knew what I was doing right now, if they knew, they wouldn't be crying for me right now. They'd be rejoicing with me. They would recognize that I graduated. Hey, I made it to heaven. Right? Yes. And your spirit groans because it wants to be in the presence of God. Right. It, it desires. It, that flesh man is, is just corrupt. Amen? Earnest desire to be clothed with a habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Come on, what are we clothed? Because we found Jesus, right? For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. What's that life? That spirit life, being swallowed up by that old, that old, that old physical man. Now he who has prepared us for, for this very thing is God, who has also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. What did God give you? The Holy Ghost. That's your guarantee that you're going to make it. Come on. He could have just said, hey, you're going to be born again and saved. But he says, no, I'm not only going to be born again and saved, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Come on. Oh, my goodness. How great is... He says, that is your guarantee. That is your promise. Yes, in other words, you have that Holy Spirit in operation in your life. I mean, there's nothing that you... There's nothing that's not, that is withheld from you. There's nothing that is impossible for you. Amen? Amen. So we are also confident, knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. You hear people say, for we walk by faith and not by sight. You hear people saying that. But a lot of, people, a lot of believers, they say that, but they don't mean that. Because we're always being sense-led. If we don't see things happening, we... we, we <laughs> Like little kids, can, we, can, we can fall on the floor and start to cry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if, if God is in it, and, like, and they make all sorts of, um, they, they, make, they jump to conclusions, they, they, they throw up thoughts that they're completely unaware, and, and, they, and as, if they, as if they know how God knows something, or as if they, they have an expert knowledge on things. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't go to church but once, but for once every year, for like say, Easter and, and Christmas or, 
or when someone dies, that's not really being having a church life. That's right. That's no church life at all. Right. In fact, your thinking on the things of God are going to be twisted. Yeah. And then when kids walk away from the Lord after you go to be with the Lord and you want them to follow God like you follow God, three, I'm going to tell you something, three days a year isn't going to help them. It's not. It's, it's the heart that says from a pure conscience, I know where my connection came from. That's right. I know where my healing came from. That's right. I know where my miracles came from. I know where I got my, the soundness of my mind. I know where that came from. Yeah, that's right. I know when I got delivered from drugs, I know where that came from. That's right. Boy, you tell you sure telling people, boy, you, how to get free, what to do to stay free. Come on, I tell you, that's the best life to have. That's right, amen. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And many of us walk that walk, and we've seen God do so much because we have chosen that walk. That's right. We don't have to worry about that. We never have to worry about begging God for houses or money. That's right. Because we know he, he says, start packing. Oh, God, you have a house for me. Yeah. All right, I'm going to start packing. That's right. That's our testimony. Mm-hmm. Got, got into our first house. We just said, okay, Lord, we're going to move to California. You got a house for us? Two years, two years of our, our mortgage paid. Mm-hmm. Down payment paid. Mm-hmm. God took care of us. We paid, helped the money for, you know, I, I was wondering as we're getting, Lord, how are we going to buy a, um, appliances. Lord gave us the money on appliances before we left, and and then when we got the money for the appliances, I decided I bought them in Oregon because you could buy them tax free in Oregon. <laughs> Coming down from Washington, huh? Pick up some stuff over there, and then go on our way down and move move into move into our first home here in California. And then God, when we moved in there, like Pastor Moon, we could have been very satisfied to stay in Oregon. And we were we were satisfied. Happy, happy. We have a house. A four-bedroom home. Mm-hmm. Each kid had their own bedroom. I mean, you have that in a big, beautiful backyard. I'm talking about being happy. If you ever say, some of you may have never seen an old house, but we had a really comfortable house. Mm-hmm. Tom did. He mowed the lawn. <laughs> I mean, we loved it. That's right. Nice yeah. RV parking. Because you know, I, I wanted an RV, and I said, "I'm going down to get an RV." She goes, "I don't want no RV." I'm like, "She said I can get an RV now." Praise <laughs> the Lord. Everybody heard it. <laughs> Get your RV. <laughs> Get your RV. <laughs> Bye. And, and here's the thing. And when we got in that, and then the Lord said, it's time to start making movement. Uh-huh. We, we didn't hear a, a, an audible voice. No. But we knew in our hearts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did we do? We started packing our bags. Started not bags. We started loading boxes. Started putting stuff away. Yeah. Started staging. We did everything step by step to the point we started staging the house. Mm-hmm. Then we started, we started applying for loans. And then we made a good chunk out of our house. Yeah. And then we decided by faith that we were going to sell that house because we had someone who was going to sell us their house. And we, already, we, had, a plan. we had a house already set up. Mm-hmm. And then when we sold our house, the people who said they were going to sell us their house didn't sell us their house. <laughs> we could have cried. Oh no, we must have not heard from God. Oh no, we must have blew it, God. We blew it, we didn't hear from you. We must. No, we never said that. Yeah. Even in the face of the pressure yeah. of that. Yeah. And then we, we were, because we moved in we moved in my mom. I thought, we're only going to stay with you for a month, Mom. We're only going to be a month. <laughs> Turn into what, one to two months, yeah. one to three months. Yeah. Went to six months. My mom was like, "Y'all said you were gonna be here for long." 
when it turned to nine months, and we were talking about my, my mom was asking, "When are you going? When? When?" Uh -huh. And I, I, my, I, you know, my, my mom was still sweet. We had fun. We had the best time when we lived with my parents. Yes, Our relationship flourished during that time. We laughed. We had great dinners. I made dinner. My Melina made dinner. We had so much fun. Huh? Mostly your mom. Yeah. No, no, I, I, no, it was not mostly my mom. No, 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 because I, I knew, I didn't want all the pressure on my mom to cook. We took turns. We took, and sometimes we cook together. Yeah. But it was good because it really helped us as a, as a family to bond. Yeah. And then, and then we went and looked at houses. Uh -huh. No, no, we looked at a lot of ugly houses. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we looked at some serious ugly houses. Like mismatched carpet, and but we went because we were. God said, "Walk it out." Yeah. Walk it out. Mm -hmm. And then we found one house, and somebody wanted, they wanted uh, X amount of dollars for a house as if they did some serious work into it. All they did was put bamboo floors in there. Mm -hmm. and they wanted San Francisco prices. I'm like, girl, you done lost your mind. <laughs> I, do, I done studied the market, and guess what, Lord said, and it, it just seemed like I was the one trying to make the deal. Uh -huh. And because God says, I have, a, I have the house for you. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day we had a seed. The Lord put some money in her hands and said, we got to sow this seed and get it out of her hands. She calls me up and goes, she, or she, I don't think we, she mentioned this because we need to sow a seed, a significant seed to get in her house. I go, and it's funny because she said it and I was thinking it. You know, as a married couple, it's, a, it's amazing. Yeah. Huh? You said we already did. Oh, I said we already did. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me. We already did. I thought, well, and then I thought, well, I kind of was afraid of that. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's do it again. Mm -hmm. But I didn't argue. I said, yeah, let's do it again. Yeah. So I went over to the post office. I walked up the stairs. I dropped that seed into the, into the mail slot. And once you drop it in that mail slot, you can't get it back. <laughs> Ain't happening. It's gone. Yeah. And besides getting it back, it's considered a federal offense. <laughs> five, up to five to ten years. I asked. They told me. <laughs> so I walked down the front and got in my car. I looked at my phone. It said realtor.com. I said, Lord, you said there's a house for us. And I'm scrolling around. I'm like, I think you called me. Did you call me when I was realtor in? Realtor called you. But I had seen it. It was in my hand. I was like, what the heck? And then he called me. He goes, hey, Marcus, there's a house. I go, I'm looking right at it. I go, that's, yeah. And then I called her. I called you right afterwards. I go, we got to look at this house. And she says, no way we're ever going to get in that house. There's no way we're ever going to get in that house. We walked up in that house, and she said, I don't know how we're going to do this. Do you want to give your part of the testimony? Yeah, give it. Get the handheld. I, I think it's good because you, this is your, your your point of view is good on that too. I think it's, yeah. Well, I think it's good. So we walked up to the house. I don't think I said we'll never get into this house, but in my heart, I was like, "You were thinking, I thought, how are we going to get in? How are we going to get in this house then?" <laughs> and I thought, "Why are we looking at this house? Because it was more than what we had um, planned." And then Pastor Noel, I don't know if it's when he came here. Or we might have been in prayer school, but he had given us a word, and he looked right at me, and he said, don't worry about the price. Don't worry about the price. And so I just remembered, don't worry about the price. So, you know, your mind wants to look at the price of something to see if you 
can make the payment and blah 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 but we knew that um, he said don't worry about the price so I said okay I'm not gonna look at the price and even with the payment that we we got in mm -hmm. I still said I don't know how we got that. <laughs> Call me bank approved. I'm like, I don't know how we got that out. Are you sure we got that out? <laughs> but I knew, I knew it was ours. He knew more than me. I, honestly, I kind of attached my faith to his. I'm like, you got the faith. Let's go. I'll ride with you. Because sometimes one person will have the faith for it, and I those times where she has more faith on certain things, I have no faith for. I'm like. Go ahead, believe. I'm with you. Yeah, so when your spouse has the faith for it, you know, I could have said, why are we even looking at that house? And then, and then, and then, and gotten all discouraged and said, forget it, and we would have never had it. Mm -hmm. But um, oftentimes one person will have the faith for it, mm -hmm. and the other one just goes, okay, if you have the faith for it, let's do it. <laughs> and just trust the Lord. And that's how, how it happened. And, uh, and it was an exceedingly abundant house. Yes. Because it went beyond all the details. It was like, it had everything that Mark, Pastor Marcus wanted, everything I wanted. He wanted two-story. I did not, but that's okay. We got a two-story. He wanted it, or was it I wanted You wanted I two wanted two-story. That's right. I yeah. wanted two-story. I want a single-story. I want a two-story house. Yeah. And then I rolled down those stairs three times. <laughs> you seen the house. Tom, Tom, not Tom, it was Pedro pushed me down once. The, I started rolling. I was like, I landed on my feet, though. I landed on my feet. I will say that. Steps are very steep, oh. but but <laughs> even after we got into the house, there were things that we discovered that we didn't even know were everything we wanted was in that house. It was above and beyond. Above and beyond. So whatever the Lord puts it in your puts in your heart to go for. When you begin, and here's the thing: it's the same thing for healing. Yeah, it's the same thing for healing. God goes above and beyond, even for your body. Mm I mean, I got I got healed of hay fever, allergies. You know my testimony. Couldn't even walk on the grass without blisters on my feet. Yeah. Now I can walk on grass, and I don't get blisters on my feet. I don't get hay fever. Sorry, just say yes. And, I, and it, what it was was just saying yes to God all these years. Yeah. Now I just got to learn to slow down. Lord told me you just got to learn to slow down. Yeah. Even I told this one buddy who got real sick of the Rona. And I said, I, he goes, he got real sick. I go, you know what it is? You don't want to stop working. He goes, that's true. <laughs> he says, I, I didn't slow down. I got sick, and I just kept going and going and going. And he goes, there's a time when y'all need to learn to slow down. Right. And, he, and the Bible says, learn to be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Well, I tell you, learn to be still and hear what he has to say for you. There, there are, what you say again? That is where the direction is at. Amen. Well, I hope I help.